Let's turn together again to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. As you turn there, let's, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for giving your Spirit to John, for helping him remember all of these things about Yeshua. And thank you for recording it for us. May our hearts be opened and thrilled with all we see of Yeshua. And we pray in his name. Amen. John has opened his gospel by going back to all eternity, saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Declaring the eternal divinity of Yeshua from the very beginning of his gospel. And then we saw that God prepared a man who came as a witness, John the Immerser, who came to reveal Yeshua. And today we come to see those who began to encounter Yeshua and their response to him. In verse 35, this is where the the story begins today. John the Immerser, and another day it says, and again the next day, John, who is the Immerser, sometimes called the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Yeshua as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Yeshua. Do you remember that moment when you first heard Yeshua? Do you remember that first moment when you saw him pass by, when he reached into your life and began to tap on your shoulder and draw you to himself? Sometimes it's simple word from a friend or a family member who knows him. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's some part of creation. Sometimes it's a prick in our conscience. For the Apostle Shaul, it was the conviction that he had been a person who coveted. His heart had been touched by this not keeping of one of the Ten Commandments. Whatever it was, God uses such a variety of things to help us be attracted to Yeshua, to consider Him. These two disciples who were following John heard John speak of Yeshua, and then they went to follow Yeshua. In verse 38, says, Then Yeshua turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? Yeshua is so good at asking just the right question at just the right time. Clarifying and crystallizing what is going on in our hearts. What is stirring around. What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? Where do you live? Where are you hanging out, as it were? 
Now, why would you ask such a question as that? Why do you want to know where this Yeshua is staying? And the obvious answer to me is that they want to have some private time with him and ask him a whole lot more questions. In verse 39, he said to them, come and see. And this will be a common theme throughout this passage. Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. That is probably according to Jewish time, four in the afternoon. Did they stay that whole day with him? Did they stay into the night? Can you imagine the conversation that they were having? Can you imagine the questions that were running through their minds? You see, God had been creating in their lives a thirst and a hunger. There had been a growing desire for the Messiah, for God's intervention in human history. They had been touched by the ministry of John the Immerser. They had been immersed themselves, confessing their sins. They had followed him and they heard him say, that there is coming one after me whose sandal thongs I am not worthy to even untie. They had heard him say, there is coming one after me, one who will immerse you in the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Their hearts were stirred. And so in this encounter with Yeshua in his home, they had opportunity to have intimate, personal conversation with him and ask him questions. I'm sure they were well-versed in the Tanakh. And they knew all of the prophecies that had been made, all the predictions, all the pictures that were painted. And they were wondering, is this the one? And in verse 40, 40, it says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed Yeshua was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. We have found him. After that afternoon or day long or into the night, however long it was, after that conversation, they were convinced that Yeshua is the long-promised Messiah. And... Verse 42, Andrew brought him to Yeshua. And now when Yeshua looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And thus it begins. People beginning to encounter Yeshua and coming to follow him and coming to see who he really is. Andrew's conclusion is that he is really the Messiah. John's statement, he is the Lamb of God, began the thinking process, began this sequence of events. The Lamb of God is a picture that we've talked of before. John said that earlier, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Picturing the the times that a lamb was used in sacrifice. But I think one of the 
best pictures of lamb is found in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, that beautiful servant song that God gave to Isaiah. A picture of Yeshua, the servant, the Messiah. And in that chapter, we read these words beginning in verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a lamb, he was the one who bore our punishment. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This blend of the sacrifice of the lamb for the sin of the world and also the victory that comes and the life that comes through that suffering of the servant. That was circulating perhaps through their minds. But also to call Yeshua Messiah, the messianic hope had grown strong in the people of Israel over the years. God had given clear evidence of what he wanted to do in the life of the people of his flock. Jeremiah chapter 23, God talks about his idea for a shepherd and for a leader, for a king. Jeremiah chapter 23, in verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. God put leaders over his people to care for them, to be shepherds, to provide for them. And yet, they had not done so. Verse 3, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set my shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, 
nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Because God's desire is to shepherd his people and to care for them, and human leadership failed, God promised the coming of a Messiah, an anointed one, a king, a branch from David, a righteous branch, the one who would be called the Lord our righteousness. He promised this, and the people of Israel were waiting and watching for this leader, this messianic hope to come to fruition. God had given hints of what an anointed one would look like. Through the scriptures, we see that the king was an anointed one. We see that the high priest was an anointed one. And we also see on one occasion that a prophet was an anointed one. Wrapped up into one, Messiah would be the anointed prophet, priest, and king coming to care for the people, to people, to honor God. This is what the anointed one would do. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those with young. This is the hope that the people of God, the Jewish people, were waiting for. This was the hope of Andrew and Peter and others that we'll see as we continue through this journey with Yeshua. As Peter came, brought by his brother Andrew, his name was Simon, and Yeshua says that you are called Simon, but you will be called Cephas, which means a stone. We see, I think, in this at least partly, the effect of Yeshua carrying out the character of his name. That one of the great blessings that Yeshua brings, Yeshua is our salvation. He is our Savior. He is the one who rescues us. Sin has ruined us. Yeshua has come to deal with that and to then bring us to brand new life, to the fullness of life that God has had in mind for us. And as Yeshua says, you are this, Simon, you will be this. It's a glorious picture of what happens, the transformation that happens when you and I come to know and follow Yeshua, the Messiah. You are, you shall be. A glorious promise, a glorious picture of the reality, the volatile, the up and down Peter that we know over the course of seeing his life. Simon, the one who is up and down, will become Peter, the solid rock, the one who is stable and firm and secure. This is the beginning of seeing Messiah, the anointed one, 
seeing that he is the Lamb of God, seeing that he is the Christ, the one who transforms. Then, back in John chapter 1, verse 43, the following day, we are seeing a day-by-day sequence. The next day, Yeshua wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, seems to be an enclave of the work of the Spirit. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip is touched encountering Yeshua and he is impressed that Yeshua is fulfilling the messianic prophecies in Moses and all the prophets. You remember the the prophecy that God gave to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18 where God said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and I will put my words in his mouth and he will speak to them all that I command him. They were looking for the messianic hope of a prophet. And Philip found in Yeshua that fulfillment. And then you remember that Jacob, when he was blessing his sons, he made this statement that the scepter would not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Shiloh, a name for the Messiah, a picture that he would come from Judah, that he would be a king. And on and on we could go to talk to Yeshua. Philip somehow encountered him and said he was the fulfillment of these these scriptures. He was the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah that said, The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Matthew in his gospel quotes that very text as he describes the supernatural conception and resulting birth of Yeshua, the Messiah. And then Micah predicted the fact that he would be born in Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. And Luke then describes the way that the government leaders of the day caused a tax census to be taken. And as a result, Mary, pregnant with Yeshua, and Joseph went to the town of their ancestry, both being of the line of David, and went to Bethlehem, the house of bread, to have the bread of life, Yeshua. Over and over, Philip must have thought of these various passages in the Moses, in the prophets, in the writings, over and over ringing through his head and talking with Yeshua His conclusion is that Yeshua is the Messiah, 
the one who fulfills these passages, these promises. And he finds his brother Nathanael, and he says, Come and see Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In verse 46, Nathanael says to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a despised place. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And besides, Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem. And Philip then says that wonderful phrase, come and see. Perhaps that's a a little encouragement to you and I. As we share our relationship with Yeshua, with those around us, people have are going to have questions and often objections. And you know God is big enough to handle it all. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to say, well, come and see, take a look, explore, ask your questions, investigate, and then see what conclusion you come to. Come and see. Sometimes there is a way in which we need to give a reasoned answer. Peter talks about that in his first letter, that we are always prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in us. That's where the whole system of study called apologetics comes from. And there's an appropriate place for that. But in in doing that, it's important to realize two things. One is that you and I can never argue anyone into a relationship with Yeshua. The other is that Yeshua needs no protecting. Yeshua rather needs simply revealing and unleashing. It is as it were, we simply unleash the lion and he does the rest of the work. We have the glorious privilege of simply saying, this is who I found Yeshua to be. Come and see. Come and investigate yourself. That's what Philip did with his brother. And Nathaniel is, is at first skeptical, but he's honest, gloriously authentic and honest. And that's what we always want. We want people to be honest. We want to be honest and authentic. Whatever our questions might be, whatever it first appears on the surface, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. And then in verse 47, Yeshua saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Yeshua answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Yeshua answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. What happened? The fig tree, underneath the fig tree was a place where a person could often go to find privacy and to commune with God, to meditate. And it's probably the case that Nathaniel, 
had a special encounter with God, a time of prayer, a time of meditation on the scriptures. He'd had a special moment with God, and Yeshua knew all about it. Yeshua knows our hearts. Our God is the God who knows all of our hearts. He is the one who searches us and he knows us, as David would write in Psalm 139. He is the one who discerns the very thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. He sees us. This morning, he is looking into all of our hearts. He sees what's going on in you. He knows. He knows how you desire him. He knows where you hurt. He knows the questions that you're asking. And he knows what you need. And that knowledge, for some people, it's scary. But I think when you understand who it is that knows that, it's glorious. That the God of the universe knows all about me and all about you. That means there's no need for me to try to hide. That means that there's no pretending. I don't have to pretend. That means whatever I am thinking, whatever I am feeling, the questions I have, I can make them known to him. He's big enough to handle it. And he's glorious enough and wonderful enough and filled with love and mercy to be able to help us. And just as we saw in the life of Simon, he's able to transform us. With this insight about who Yeshua is, with this simple statement that Nathaniel sees that Yeshua knows all about him and it's supernatural knowledge that has been given to Yeshua here. He concludes, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. David writes in Psalm 2, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill, Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. In Psalm 2, both of those pictures are blended together. The son of God and the king of Israel. The Messiah set on the throne by God himself. And then again in Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. The Lord, the King of the universe, my Lord, David's Lord, the Messiah, the King of Israel, sit at my right hand. God bearing witness of the divinity of his Messiah. Nathaniel hears this, I think, ringing in his head as he sees that this Messiah, this one, is Son of God and King of Israel, blended together. It reminds me of the passage also that, that throughout 
the Berit Hadashah, Yeshua is called Lord. And that is a title that does not just mean sir, it means God. Yeshua, the Lord. Shaul will write in his letter to the Philippians that as Yeshua humbled himself to the lowest place and gave his life as a sacrifice and emptied himself, that God then therefore highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Yeshua the Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, God writes this, He says in verse 22, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out from my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. That which is attributed to God in that passage is attributed to Yeshua in the passage in Philippians. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what Nathaniel saw that day, that Yeshua is Lord, that he is king, that he is God, that he is God the Son, that he is the king of Israel. Yeshua answered, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, and the word you is plural. Now he's speaking to the whole of those who would follow him. I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And of course that takes us immediately back to that encounter that Jacob had as he left home, as he headed away to be away from his brother Esau, as he was going into uncertainty, he had a dream of a ladder going to heaven, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, and God above speaking to Jacob and giving him promises. At that place, Jacob concludes, I have encountered God. And he called it Bethel, the house of God. Heaven opened. When you and I come into a relationship with Yeshua, we find that Yeshua has opened to us the glories and the wonders of heaven itself. And as we have said before, when Yeshua comes through His Spirit to take residence in our life, it is as if heaven itself comes to live in us. And we begin to taste the glories of that. Shaul wrote about this in his letter, first letter to the Corinthians. He said about it, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, so that even now you and I can get a taste of the glories and the wonders of heaven. 
and how much we need that in our day. Because in order for you and I to be earthly good, we must be heavenly minded. To set our affections and our minds on the things of God, on the things of heaven. When you and I see heaven and the glory of heaven, it puts a spring in our step. It puts joy and steel into our souls. And it helps us to see the wonder of what we have believed. You see, the real issue for all of us is who is Yeshua? That is the real issue of all of life. Who is Yeshua? Midway, approximately through his ministry, Yeshua had his followers around him, his, the ones he had asked to follow him. And he said, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say you're John the Immerser. Some say you're the prophet. Some say you're this person or that person, Elijah. And then he said, but who do you say I am? What about you? And they said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Yeshua said, you know, you could never discover that by your own intellectual ability, by trying to investigate and figure it out on your own. This is being revealed to you by my father. And then right after that, he began to talk about the fact that he was going to lay down his life as a sacrifice, that he was going to be executed on a cross. But the question remains for everyone. Sooner or later, you and I must give an answer. Who do you say Yeshua is? Why is that such an important question? John wrote this gospel for the very reason of that question. John wrote this gospel, it says, he'll, he'll write it at the end. In chapter 20, he says this, it says, and truly Yeshua did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. This book is written that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It is as God said through Moses, I set before you today life and death, cursing and blessing. And what I want is that you should choose life. Life is found in trusting Yeshua, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, that he is all that he says he is, and that he will do all that he says he will do. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says that Yeshua was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him, did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Humanity did not receive him. For the main, many Jewish people did not receive him, but many Jewish people did. And here's the promise in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name.
That's the glorious promise. That we would receive Him. That we would believe in all that He is. That we would believe what He says about Himself. That it is not just head information, but that it is something that has captivated our whole being. That we would not be born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That it is possible for you and I, through a relationship with Yeshua, to become children of God, to find life. John will write in his book of Revelation to the congregation in Laodicea. And it's an appropriate statement for those who would consider Yeshua. Yeshua says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Some have painted a picture of this incident and it shows that there's a door handle only on the inside. Because you see, Yeshua will never knock down the door. He will gently knock and he will call and when you hear his voice if you respond by simply opening the door and welcoming in welcoming him in he will come in and you will have life everlasting let's pray together thank you father for the gift of yeshua our messiah Thank you for the wonderful pictures you painted of him throughout the Tanakh so that we could be clear and recognize him. And thank you for writing this account so that we could see how people began to recognize him, how people were convinced of who he was and who he is. Thank you for showing us the beauty of Yeshua that he is indeed the pearl of great price, that he is a treasure hidden in a field, that he is worth everything. Oh, Father, renew in us who belong to you a fresh, captivating love for Yeshua, that we have embraced one who is more glorious and more wonderful than anything else this world would ever offer. And if there are those among us who have not yet come into a relationship with Yeshua, we pray that by your spirit you would touch their hearts and minds and open their lives, that they might come to trust him and in him find life. Oh, We praise you, Father. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your desire that we would know you and know all the glories of heaven as we are in relationship with you through Yeshua. We thank you, Father, for your desire to give us life. We bless you in Yeshua's name. Amen.